Well, it is great to be back here with you. It seems like it's been a little while since we've all been together between the weather and the time change and being at Reamstown last week. So it is good to be back here with you this morning. And as that song closed, it said, I remind myself of all that you've done. And we're going to take a few minutes to remind ourselves of what Jesus has done for us. And the way that we do that here at CCC is through something that Jesus invited his followers to do several thousand years ago, and that's to take something very simple, bread, and um, a cup of juice, and to remind them of not only the Jesus' body that was about to be broken for them, but his blood that was about to be shed. As Johnny said, in just a few few weeks we'll be celebrating Easter. And um, if you think back several thousand years ago when this was taking place, uh, Jesus knew this was coming. He knew it was coming. You know, we tend to know certain things are coming, like, uh, you know, our birthday's coming, or, you know, a, a trip is coming, or a vacation is coming, so we look forward to those exciting things that are coming down the pike. And But we don't usually know too much in advance sometimes when difficult or painful things are coming, like, um, you know, when uh, we face a loss or, a, or an accident happens or a tragedy occurs. I mean, sometimes we might know surgery might be coming, so we know that that is coming. There's some people here in our church that have just navigated that this last week. And um, so please, as you have opportunity, thank you for reaching out to them and showing concern and care for them. But Jesus knew this was coming, and he knew that he knew what God's plan was for him. And it makes a little more sense when you read when he's in the Garden of, of Gethsemane shortly before the crucifixion, and he says in this prayer to God that's recorded for us, he says, Father, if there's any other way to take this cup or this suffering from me, I'll, I'll choose plan B or plan C if you've got it available. And at the end he says, but not my will, but your will be done. And so as we come to this table, we do so with a special significance of remembering that this is right around the time when Jesus literally did give his life, when he was crucified on the cross, the hands of the Roman soldiers, when his hands and his feet were pierced and his blood was shed on that cross and a spear stabbed into his side. And so this morning we're going to take this to remind ourselves of what Jesus has done and And if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, if you've said to him, I want you to be the one in charge of my life, we'd love to invite you to this table just to join us. And if you're still trying to put those pieces together and not quite sure what this whole following Jesus thing is all about, we just invite you to listen to the songs and just quietly reflect on who Jesus is and what he has done for each person who's here today. You see, being a Christian, being a Christ follower is not just about knowing information cognitively that I know about God, I believe in God, or I know about Jesus and who He is. But there's a relationship side to that. There's a personal side in which I'm willing to say, um, I know I'm not doing a good job of being in charge of my life. I've kind of made a few mistakes along the way. But I'm willing to turn it over to someone who's doing a better job than that, and that's God Himself. And I'm willing to acknowledge that I haven't been perfect. I've made some mistakes along the way. I've sinned. I'll be the first to admit that. But hasn't everyone? And the truth is we all have. That sin is what keeps us from God. It's that barrier between us and God. And God says, I don't want that. I want you to have a relationship with me. So I want to move that off the table. And the only way I can move that off the table is for someone to give their life to pay for your sins like you would ultimately have to do.
Jesus said, I'll be willing to do that for you. I'll be willing to take your place. And if you've invited him into your life to do that, to take your place, we'd love to have you join us. And maybe not, maybe just this morning is a time for you to just sit quietly and reflect and think about what Jesus has done for you. As the guys pass the bread, we just ask that you would hold that and um, we'll all take that together in just a moment. song says, Jesus invites you to come as you are. He says, you don't have to clean everything up before you come. Because I spread my arms wide on the cross. Welcome you in. So as we take this bread, remind ourselves what Jesus did for us. Let's do it together.
Jesus' blood being shed for us is something that he was going to face from the crown of thorns that were pressed in on his head to the physical, almost inhumane beating that he took to his hands and his feet being pierced when he was hung on the cross to a sword thrust into his side. For centuries, the Israelites had had to sacrifice a lamb and to slit the the throat of that lamb and blood put on an altar for their sins to be taken care of, for the guilt to be gone. The Bible says that Jesus came as the perfect lamb of God to take away the sins of mankind. And so as the guys pass this cup of juice, it's just a reminder of Jesus' incredible sacrifice and the credible, transforming, saving power that is there in the blood of Jesus. So as they pass that, we ask that you would just hold that and reflect on that. Most like a river washing over me Fount of heaven, love of Christ
Jesus has saved me, he's rescued me, and his blood has set me free. Let's drink of that together. God, may we never become weary of remembering what you've done. Your incredible sacrifice, your amazing love. We come to you today, God, with humble and grateful hearts. And Lord, this amazing gift, this amazing treasure that you have given to us, may we not just hold tightly to that ourselves, but God, may the the fruit of our lives be evidence that offers that and lets that be seen by others. In your name we pray. Amen. Our guys are going to come and collect the cups from you and... This summer when I was home, this past summer when I was home during my sabbatical, I would spend most mornings out in our backyard just reading, reflecting, and and we had a bird feeder out there, and so there would often be birds at this bird feeder. And I don't know much about birds except the birds come, and I like when the birds come, but um, every once in a while I'll see a cardinal. Okay, it's red. I know that's a cardinal, you know. And every once in a while I'll see the blue jay come and they chase all the other birds away, you know, the nasty blue jays, you know. So I know that much about them. That's about all I know, not much else. But So I was wondering about these birds. I thought, how can I, how can I identify these birds? How can I identify these birds? And so as I was, um, I was scrounging around on the Internet for it, I came across this app, and it's called the Cornell Lab Merlin Bird App. And so I got this bird app, and you just hit the button. It tells you your current location. So I tap my current location, the date. So this is the date. Um, what size bird am I looking for? It's okay. It's a sparrow size or smaller, so that's about the right size. And what colors? Well, they're black, a little brown, a little grayish. So I'll go with those colors. Where were they at? They were at the feeder. It gives you a bunch of options. And then, um, surprising, gives you this whole list of bird options. Well, it could be this bird, it could be that bird. Well, they're kind of small and they flutter and then they're gone. How in the world am I going to identify what bird is the right bird? Well, the cool thing about this app is when you and when you go there, you can not only look at the picture, but you can click this little thing that looks like a speaker and listen to the sound. So, oh, okay, well, yeah, I heard one like that. Um, and then, oh, they're all oh, now this one, the field spray. I bet you that's what it is. And oh, there's that sound. Some of you hear that this morning, maybe, you know. And without this, I'm kind of helpless to know what in the world is that thing flying around in my yard, other than the fact that it's a bird. Um, but my bird app helps me to identify the birds and know not only what kind of bird it is, but actually what it is, a little bit of characteristics about it. And um, my son makes fun of me. He doesn't like my bird app, but I like my bird app. So, um, but, um, uh, and this morning we're going to talk about how do you identify things in your life and not know exactly what they are, but whether, know whether it's good or bad. I mean, when someone says, I got a good deal for you, how do we find out today whether it's a good or bad deal? Where do we, what do we do to find that out? We do what? We Google it, right? And then we go online and we search for it. Someone says, hey, where, where are we going to go to eat? Let's look for some places to eat. And it's a place you've never been before. What do you do? You go online, you find it, and then you decide, is that a place we're going to eat? Well, this morning, we're going to look at a passage in the Bible 
where Jesus tells us how to identify some things that are good and bad. And they didn't have the luxury of an app or they didn't have the luxury of Google to be able to identify those things. And so we're going to look at his direction on how to identify some things that are good and bad. And for those of you this morning that are you know, Christ followers, you're going to be encouraged because Jesus is going to point out some ways for you to identify some things. And for those of you that are kind of searching, you're kind of sorting out the whole faith thing, um, I think you might be surprised what Jesus has to say this morning. Because for you, you can sort some things out about people of faith. You can see the ones that are real and the ones that are fake. And um, others can't. And that's exactly what Jesus is going to talk about. If you haven't been here with us, we've been in a series of studies um, on the Sermon on the Mount uh, from Jesus when Jesus was here on the earth. His most famous sermon that he presented at the very beginning of the three years he was here is called the Sermon on the Mount. And over the next three years, he would talk about this occasionally, bits and pieces of it. But this is kind of a summary of all of those. And in the beginning of that Sermon on the Mount, he makes this statement that we've been talking and we've been referencing nearly every week. And that statement is, repent for the kingdom of heaven is what? Near. Near. Jesus doesn't just say, I've got some more things for you to do. He says, I want you to repent. He's talking about good people, religious people, not really bad people. That would be obvious to tell them to repent, but not the good people. He says, I want you to repent. I want you to turn away from the way you've been living and turn in a different direction. And so each week as we've been looking at these passages of Scripture, these words of Jesus, my challenge has been not for you to do something more this week, but for you to stop doing something and turn your attention to something that He's calling us to do whether it's in relationships with one another, whether it's in relationship with God, whether it's relationship with your spouse, whether it's dealing with anger, whether it's judging others, whatever those things are. He says, I want you to turn away from this and I want you to move towards this. And he's going to give us another one this morning. If you were here this last week, um, we looked at the subject that Jesus presented to us of two different doors. And as we came into the gym at Reamstown last week, there was a wide door. And it was the door that nearly everybody was going through. It was an easy-to-access door. There wasn't anything in your way of getting through the door. Nearly everybody was filing through this very wide door. But next to that wide door, there was also a very narrow door. And you had to look real closely to pay attention to the narrow door. And if you didn't look real close, you would miss the narrow door. And the narrow door was not as wide, and so depending on how wide you are, you might not be able to fit through the narrow door. I have to turn sideways to get through the narrow door. You know, is that tiny, you know, to squeeze inside of it. But on the other side of each of those doors, Jesus says there's a path. The wide door has a wide path. It's easy to follow. It's obvious. There's not anything in your way, and there's a lot of people on the wide path. But Jesus said that wide path doesn't lead you to happiness. It doesn't lead you to peace. It doesn't lead you to contentment or joy. He said that wide path leads you to destruction. But then there's a narrow path that's along the way here that if you go through the narrow gate, it's not as obvious. Someone might have to point it out to you. You actually might miss it. Someone doesn't tell you about that narrow path and it's going to be a little bumpy and there's trees hanging over and there's brush you're going to have to push your way past and you might get lost on that path from time to time because it's not as clear and not as visible but jesus says the end of that path leads you to life and then a little bit later jesus said i am the way the truth and anybody know what he said i am the life and so that narrow path leads to jesus 
leads to a relationship with Him. Well, this week we're going to take another look at one of the last sections in this sermon that Jesus has to speak about. So if you have a Bible, if you would turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, that's where we're going to be at this morning. Matthew chapter 7. If you don't have a Bible, our guys have some of those and they'll pass them around to you. Matthew chapter 7. And as you're turning there, I just want to read these verses for you and then we'll spend some time looking at what they have to say. Verse 15, it says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Like every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Jesus really issues two warnings in this section of Scripture. This is a warning for those who are leading, and he issues a warning for those who are following. And ultimately what he says is, God is not impressed with your words. He's not impressed with your words. He wants to see your actions. And he provides such a very strong warning because he's not going to be here very long. And you're going to have to decide at some point who you're going to follow. He begins with a warning there about false prophets. And in the religious, in the Jewish community, there were four different groups of individuals that oversaw the Jewish community, especially historically in the Old Testament. There was the king, and they were, they were the ones that were over all the people. They were God's representative over all the people. And then there was the priest. They would, God would speak to the priest for the people. And then there was the prophet, or excuse me, I got that backwards. The prophet, God would speak to the, the prophet for the people. And the people would speak to the priest, and he would communicate that back to God. And the sage was the one who observed the realities of life, considered the wise man. And so the prophet is the one who stood between God and the people. So who is a false prophet? A false prophet is someone who claimed to be speaking for God, was not truly appointed by God, and did not follow Jesus. And he goes on to say in that verse, verse 15, as he said, they come to you in sheep's clothing. He said they really look like sheep. They might even sound like sheep. They might even act like sheep. And it might be hard to pick them out from the sheep in this picture. But ultimately, you look at it as you pay attention real closely, you discover they're not all sheep. There's actually a wolf in the midst. But upon glancing at it initially, it looks just like them. It's got wool just like them. It's got a long snout just like them. It's got ears that point up in a different direction, but there's still ears there. And then he goes on to say what the sheep is, what the wolf is designed to do. It said, inwardly, they are ferocious wolves. The wolf is not in the flock of sheep to have a party, to make friends, to just check on how they're doing. The wolf is there for one reason and one reason only, to get dinner. That is the only reason that wolf is there, to meet their needs. And Jesus says, you need to watch out. You need to pay attention because there are individuals who are going to say they're speaking for God and they are only out for themselves. You're like, yeah, I know. I've heard a few of them. I've crossed paths with a few of them. 
I've seen a few of them. And so then you say, you ask yourself, how do I know? How do I know if it's a sheep or not a sheep? How do I know? And Jesus says, he says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Now I've got a fruit basket here. And uh, Matt, can you see this fruit basket? You can kind of see it. you think there's any real fruit in there? Probably not. Okay, Matt's a good guesser. He's right. There's no fruit in there. Um, the real fruit's back here. The real fruit's back here. But if you were to look at this basket from back there, and you were to look at and this and say, wow, that, that kind of looks like a peach, doesn't it? That's, that's actually a pretty authentic peach. And, and wow, that's, that could be a Granny Smith right there. And yeah, that one's, what do you think? That, that's pretty realistic lemon. And, the, you know, well, that's, I don't know, that pomegranate. I think I broke that piece off, so it doesn't look real anymore. But, uh, um, you know... Jesus said, you're going, to have to, you're going to have to determine by their fruit whether they're real or whether they're fake. Whether they're real or whether they're fake. You say, well, how do I know? How do I know if it's real or if it's fake? Because they sound right, they look right, they act right. How do I know? He goes on to to talk about some things that they would have understood. He says, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? You know, when we think of grapes, we think of a grape like grapes like this that we, you know, that we buy at Weiss or at, you know, Redner's or Green Dragon or Weaver's. I mean, that's what we think of when we think of grapes. But for them, grapes were something a little bit like this. He's talking about grapes, and if you can look real close, you can see there's actually real big thistles there. And what happens when you have a grapevine and you have these thistles that would grow up underneath of the grapevine is they would steal the nutrients from the soil and they would not be as prosperous. He's basically saying that there's things that are going to look good and look enticing and look beneficial to you but are not going to be the case. Look what he goes on to say in verse 17. He says, Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree... There's bad fruit. Now let me ask you this question. If you were to look at an orchard of trees and there was no fruit on those trees, would you know if any of those trees were bad trees? Probably not, right? What are you going to have to see on those trees to determine whether the tree is a good tree or a bad tree? What are you going to have to see on that tree? Fruit, right? Does that have good fruit or does that have bad fruit? And you know what? That's going to take some time, isn't it? You won't know that right away by looking at it. Unless you're a farmer who farms that particular um, type of fruit, you might be able to see that tree and know that there's something not healthy about that tree. But what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, you may not know who that wolf is in sheep's clothing right away. And for some of you, that's a little disconcerting because some of you are like, you mean someone could deceive me? And uh, the truth is, absolutely yes, they could. But Jesus says, if you watch them over time, you're going to be able to discover whether they are fake or they are real. Whether they're fake, whether they're real. Now, some of you, God has blessed with this amazing sense of perception that you seem to know this stuff almost instantaneously. And you tell other people, like, how do you know? I don't, I don't know. I just know. No, you don't. And eventually you're right. You know? So some of you, God's kind of uniquely blessed. But for most of us, we don't have that sense of knowing whether something is real or something is fake. And it's disconcerting because none of us want to be fooled. None of us want to be tricked. But Jesus says, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to watch this over time to see if 
the fruit that they produce is real or is fake. And another way of putting it is to see if their words match their actions. If their words match their actions. Now this is incredibly difficult for our culture today. It was much easier when Jesus lived. You say, why is that? Well, they did not... Um, when you spent time with someone, you would be around their family, you would be around their acquaintances, you would probably work with them, you would know what this person was like pretty quickly in his day. In our day, we don't. We don't. I mean, this past week I was just at this concert and heard some great bands, Ren Collective and 10th Avenue North, and had a chance to hear Chris Tomlin, great night of worship, and, you know, love their music, and, and, and they're great performers and great, you know, great artists, but I don't know a thing about any of these people. I don't know anything about them. I know what they look good and how they sound on stage, and that was really enjoyable. I don't know anything about the fruit of their lives. I don't. I can go online and I can download a podcast or watch a message from, from guys speaking all over the country and all over the world. But I don't know anything about the fruit of their lives. You can, you can download music, you can listen to artists, you love the sound, you love the rhythm, you love the music, but not know a thing about the fruit of their lives. And so... Can you see how, much more, how we are much more likely to be deceived by a wolf in sheep's clothing than it was even in Jesus' day? It's much more difficult for us to be aware of this than it ever was in his day. Some of you may have heard of a guy by the name of um, uh, Mark Driscoll, a well-known pastor out on the West Coast. Uh, led a ministry for 16 years called Mars Hill and started multiple churches, multiple sites, thousands of people go into these churches. And um, back last fall, there was some things that had been raised about, questions raised about his style of leadership and his uh, handling of situations with people. And he was asked to take a short break, a short leave while they evaluated what he should do and came back with some recommendations. And because of the public firestorm about this, um, he felt like the best thing for him to do was to step away from that position of leadership. And um, all of those churches were closed. Now, I don't know Mark personally, but I've listened to his podcast for years. I've read his books. I think he's a man with a heart for God. But there were some things about his character. The fruit didn't match. It didn't match. And ultimately what he had established, he had hoped for the glory of God, was completely washed away. And so Jesus says, the way you're going to know who these individuals are, and if there's any substance to their lives, and if what they say is true, is by the fruit. And it's going to take you some time to look at the fruit of their lives. Look what Jesus goes on to say in verse 19. He said, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. By their fruit, you will recognize them. And this is not just true of people who are prophets. This is true for everybody. Everybody. You see, we all follow somebody. We all follow somebody. Who, who do you read? Who do you listen to? Whose music do you enjoy? 
What sports figures do you follow? We all have somebody we follow. And the question is, what's the fruit of their lives look like? What does it look like? And the question for each of us to ask ourselves is, what does the fruit of my life look like? What does the fruit of my life look like? You say, well, John, I, I, you know, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. I you know, prayed this prayer when I was a little kid, and I've been you know, going to church and you know, doing the church thing, and I, I think, I don't know what the fruit of my life looks like. And Jesus says, before you go pointing the finger and looking at other people, Let's take a real close look at your heart. Look at the next verse, what he has to say. Verse 21. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Jesus turns the attention from the false prophet, the one who's the upfront persona, this communicator, the musician, the artist, the, the person that everybody looks to and is enamored by, and he turns the attention directly to you and me. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is going to come into my kingdom. Not everyone who prays a prayer is going to come into my kingdom. But he goes on to say in the next verse, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and your name perform miracles? God, we, we did a lot of good things. You know, we served and we gave and we participated. We did all these good things. And you're scratching your head thinking, well, wait a minute, Jesus just said that by their fruit you will know them. And John, you were saying their words and their actions. Well, wait a minute, here's someone who's saying, Lord, Lord, and, and yet their actions, is, I'm a bit confused by this because now you're saying their words have to match their actions. This appears to be the case in this person's life, but... Look what Jesus says in the next verse. He says, I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Sobering thoughts, sobering words. Dear Jesus say, I never knew you. So who are the individuals, who are the people that Jesus says are going to be welcomed into his kingdom? Go back to verse 21 and look what he says back in verse 21. He says, only the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Not someone who prays a prayer. Not someone who can do a bunch of good stuff. That's not what Jesus says. He says, the only one is the one who does the will of my Father. The only one whose heart is moved to say, I want to do whatever it is that God wants me to do in every aspect of my life. It's the student who says, God, I want to do what you want me to do with my classmates and in my relationship with my parents and in in dating relationships and on the sports field and in jobs. And when I'm thinking about career, I want it to be what you want me to do, not what I want to do. In the office, in the factory, on the shop floor, when you're out with customers, wherever it is, it's, God, I want to do what you want me to do. When I'm with family that are difficult to get along with and hard to love, it's, God, I want to do what you want me to do. Someone who says, the will of God, the desire of God, His plan for my life is what my whole life is all about. Not just a prayer I prayed when I was a little kid, not what I show up and do on Sunday morning, but it's my whole life about following Jesus.
So what's the fruit of your life look like? Is it just something that looks good from a distance and nobody would really know? Or is there something real and authentic to it? You see, Jesus is not just inviting us and helping us to be cautious about individuals out there that might have the potential to deceive you. But He's challenging every person sitting in this room to turn the mirror and and shine it right into your own heart and say, is that true of my heart? Not is it something that I've done, but is it true of the way my heart is and the way I want to live my life? Because Jesus says, that's what matters to me. That's what matters on that day when life on this earth comes to an end and I stand face to face with the God of the heavens, whether he welcomes me and says, well done, my good and faithful servant, or leave, I have no idea who you are. It's a sobering thought. It's hard for us to swallow because we want assurances. We want to say, but I did this and so I know. You say, but John, doesn't the Bible say that salvation is by faith alone in Jesus? It does, but James also says, faith without works to match your life is dead. Say, John, was that prayer I prayed, was that something real and true? I don't know, only God knows that before you, with you. But the question is, if you did that, what does your life look like now? What does it look like now? Is my confidence and my hope resting on something I did a long time ago, or is it on the actions of my life that demonstrate a heart devoted to Jesus? You see, Jesus is telling his followers, this is how you're going to know who you should listen to. And this is how you're going to know who you should hang out with. Because there's going to be a lot of people who you're going to rub shoulders with who are going to look pretty real, but be pretty fake. And I'm not going to have anything to do with them. So as you think about your life and you think about the fruit of your life, what does it look like today? Students, what does it look like? What's it look like when you're not around mom and dad, when you're not around your church friends? What's the fruit of your life look like then? Is it real or is it fake? What's it like, adults, when you're in your jobs, when you're with your family, when you're by yourself? What's the fruit of your life look like? What's it look like? You say, John, you've talked about this fruit. You've talked about this fruit. What would be some examples of that? Some examples of that would be a compassion for the poor, would be serving others in need, would be engaging in, in your family, in your children, in your spouse would be treating others in the way that you want to be treated. 
would not be judging others, but giving them grace and the benefit of the doubt. All the things that Jesus has been talking about week after week after week. I hope this morning you walk away a little unsettled. When I spend time thinking about the first part of this, about those that speak for God to people, it's a role that I and privileged and honored to serve in most weeks. It was very sobering to ask myself the question, what's the fruit of my life look like? What am I like when you don't see me? Only my family sees me, only God sees me. But the challenge is not just for those individuals in positions like mine to look hard in the mirror, but for all of us to do that. So my prayer is that you would walk away this morning and do that. I want to give you a few minutes before we leave to just look hard on the inside. And so I'm going to ask if you would bow your heads in prayer. Just take a couple minutes to talk to God. and Maybe God's pointed something out. It's really fake on the inside excuse me on the outside and parents don't know about it spouse doesn't know about it is your heart willing to do the will of God in every part of your life. God, these are some hard words to come to this close of this message with. It would have been a lot easier just to have you say, go and do these things. and Instead, you hold this mirror up in front of us and say, which path are you on? And who are you listening to? And Are you willing to follow me in every part of your life? God, help us to be willing to face this honestly and not ignore the things that you're stirring up in our hearts and our lives, the things you're calling us to say. There's some things here that need to change and, and I want you to walk into that. Lord, help us to face the the truth of not only who you are, but the relationship you invite us to have with you.
In your name we pray.